Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn, a teacher, a writer, and a mom. I blog at thismomloves.ca, and today I will be sharing a couple of my favorite things, some tips for getting yourself to bed earlier, and a special interview with Cynthia Loist, co-host of The Social, also a mom and founder of findyourpleasure.com. Today's episode of This Mom Loves is sponsored by One A Day Women's Gummies, a multivitamin formulated to help support good health, including your immune function, bone and teeth development, and more, all in a tasty fruit-flavored gummy. Always read and follow the label. We are going to start today with one of my very favorite things, which is gel manicures. Some people call them shellac manicures because that's one of the the brands out there. And when they first became popular, um, shellac was really big. And so people said, oh, shellac manicures. But gel manicures is a more general term for these manis where the color is cured under a UV or an LED light. So they do a base coat, they do the color, they do the top coat, and it's all cured in a little lamp. There is zero drying time. As soon as you pull your nails out, you're ready to go. You can reach into your purse for your wallet and not have to worry about smudging your nails. Really high gloss, that very glossy finish, which I love. Huge color selection. Uh, They last for two to three weeks. So the last time I got one, I found it was absolutely perfect for two weeks. And then a tiny little chip appeared and then it sort of went downhill from there. But I've had them last three weeks and longer where really you don't even know that... um, that they're growing out until you start to see the the new nail coming in at the bottom. So it's not an issue of chipping, it's an issue of the new nail coming in. And so it's time to, uh, to take the nail polish off and get a new mani. Some people do worry about the light in those lamps. Um, you know, of course, we're worried about skin cancer and things like that with light exposure. So you can always put sunscreen on your hands if you want to before you do that. It's a very minimal amount of time. Different salons do it different ways, but maybe a minute per coat that you're under the lamps. It is quite hard to remove at home. It's best to get it done at the salon, which is usually free if you're getting another manicure done especially. But you can do it at home with um, nail polish remover. Put it on your nails with a cotton ball and then wrap the cotton ball with tin foil and let it soak in for a while. And then you can tell when the polish is starting to lift and you can use um, a cuticle stick to kind of uh, scrape it off, which is the healthiest way. Sometimes I use the not very healthy way and kind of just get another nail under there and, and start peeling or chipping it back, but that's not very recommended. I have tried some of the at-home gel nail systems. I actually bought one kit that came with a little lamp, but I found it did not work nearly as well um, as in the salon. And I have also tried some of just the gel-like polishes that don't come with lamps. The best one that I've found so far is Sally Hansen Miracle Gel Color and Top Coat. So you buy the the two parts, the um, the color, and then the step two is the top coat, which you can use which, with any color. And I used that before we went to Montreal in the summer because I didn't want to have to worry about my nails. And I got a full four days before the first little chip appeared, which still isn't isn't too bad for nails. So that is my very first favorite thing that I wanted to share with you this week. The next one is a book that I loved called Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. So she is founder of thechicsite.com, a lifestyle guru. She's a CEO of her own media company. The subtitle of this book is Stop Believing the Lies About Who You Are So You Can Become Who You Were Meant to Be. And the book is broken into chapters based on lies like, I'm not a good mom. I'm defined by my weight. I should be further along by now. And she kind of debunks these myths and gives tons of her own personal stories. It's very honest and raw. There's a really fascinating story um, about her relationship with an old boyfriend, and it's got an interesting twist to it, very powerful. 
She shares personal things like their foster parenting heartbreak, as well as really typical stuff we can all relate to, sort of that women, mom, wife angst that we feel. And overall, it's just a really motivational and empowering book. So I think uh, I think it's definitely one worth reading. And I'll have links to everything that I recommend on the show today at my site on the show notes. So thismomloves.ca slash podcast. And you are listening to episode two. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves, as well as on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. And I would love to hear from you to know what you're uh, what you're enjoying about the podcast, any areas of improvement. And if you could spread the word about the podcast as well, I would be very grateful for that too. It is now time for the lifestyle section, and I'm actually going to turn things over to my 12-year-old daughter, Olivia, who is going to kick things off with the introduction to the public speech that she performed last year. What if I told you I had the secret to increase memory, extended life, better grades, and glowing skin? Plus, it's free, and you don't have to go anywhere to find it. The secret is sleep. And this is such a huge topic. It's something very near and dear to my heart. I feel very passionate about sleep. And there are so many things you could talk about when it comes to sleep. I know there are tons of articles about, you know, how to have a good sleep environment and all of those sorts of things. But I'm going to narrow it down even farther today and just share some tips for people who have kids and want to get themselves to bed earlier but just can't seem to make it happen. So this isn't about, you know, having a cool room or soothing music or anything. It's about how, how to actually get your body into bed without staying up late doing other things. So I remember once talking to a friend when we both had young kids and she was at home with hers at the time. And I would tell her, you know, when my kids went to bed around nine, that's when I would go to sleep. And she was saying she was staying up till 11 or 12. And she said, well, when do you do your stuff? Like, when do you get your laundry done? And my answer to that is when the kids were awake. So my, uh, my biggest tip would be try to get your things done while the kids are up and let go of the guilt about thinking that you need to spend every moment as quality time with your child. Because I know, um, when you have an infant, all bets are off. That's a different thing. But with older kids, first of all, them seeing you working and doing things for yourself, for the family is a good thing. And it's also even better to get them involved as well. So if they're too young to help, your little ones can be playing while you work. You can set up your laundry right near the exerciser or put the baby swing in the kitchen, that sort of thing. Um, and multitasking can get a bad rap sometimes, but I think it's totally fair if you're sitting helping your child with homework, be paying your bills, catching up on your emails, doing that sort of thing at the same time. And as a teacher, especially a kindergarten teacher right now, I can say that the investments you make in terms of building independence with your kids, whether they have to play for a little while by themselves without constantly saying, mommy, look at this, or mommy, help with this, or when they're older doing their homework without having you sort of holding the pencil and hovering over the book, you're there, but you're getting some of your own things done too. And it really does make a difference when they get to school, sort of having that level of, of independence as well. Something else I would suggest is trying to trade off with a friend. So whether you're home on mat leave or whether you're, you know, at a, a working job during the day and you're home in the evenings or on the weekends, if you can trade off, maybe, you know, you keep my kids while I, I run errands or I go to the gym or any of that sort of thing, or I get some work done and then trade off with each other, because I know everybody can't really afford extra childcare sometimes, but you can often find a friend who's willing to do something like that. 
Um, try to save time as much as you can. I've got a friend with young kids who does the um, the auto deliveries of the diapers and wipes and things like that through Walmart. I order my groceries through Click and Collect at Loblaws so that I can just pick them up. And for the $5 that that costs, it's totally worth it to me. And I know sometimes with moms, they want the me time when their kids go to bed because they feel like they're not getting the time to do the personal things for themselves. So it's not about chores. It's about other other things that they want to do. So again, I would say that it is possible to do things while your kids are awake. For example, I know I used to always go on the treadmill with um, my girls in the baby swing beside me, or if they're old enough, you can be putting on workout DVDs or, or putting YouTube on the TV and having them get involved with things right along beside you. You, If you've got older kids, the older one can watch the younger one while you go to uh, have your shower, things like that when you're at home. Um, as a couple, something my husband and I would do a lot is we would kind of have our couple time. We'd go to a movie or go to uh, go to a meal during the day. So we'd get a babysitter who would have time to play with the kids and, and do things like that during the day so that then by the time we got home and it was everybody's bedtime, we could get to bed as well. It wasn't a case of getting the kids to bed and then we'd head out for, uh, for our date night. And I know some parents think, well, no, I should be home during the day when my kids are awake. And again, I would say, let go of that guilt. If you've got a good babysitter, your kids are going to look forward to that person coming to look after them and they're not going to mind at all. And speaking of um, that couple relationship, make sure you're really taking a look at the division of labor and that your partner is doing the fair share of the work around the house too, because a lot of times it seems to be the mom who is getting a lot of those things done. I know there's a, a little internet meme about when the wife says, I'm going to bed, she then goes to pick up toys in the living room, put away dishes in the kitchen, adds soap to the dishwasher and get it started, locks the back door, picks up toys, starts a load of laundry and it goes on and on and on and on. And then uh, get to bed, think about all the things she forgot to do. Then she gets out of bed, writes those things on a notepad to do them tomorrow, then gets back into bed, then goes to sleep. It's a huge long column, but what the wife does when she says she's going to bed. And then when the husband says, I'm going to bed, he goes to bed course, that's not the uh, the way it is with every wife and every husband, but it may be something that you can relate to and that you might want to talk to your partner about. And I would also suggest give yourself a bedtime the same as you do with kids. I mean, it doesn't matter when you tell them to go to bed. If they say, well, no, I just wanted to watch this show or I just had to finish this bit of homework or I just had to do this. If it's bedtime, you send them to bed and you need to do the same thing for yourself. If you know what time you need to get to bed to wake up in the morning on time and be functional, then I would say you just need to make sure that you, you get to bed at that time and you'll be so glad you did. And the other things can really wait until tomorrow. Now it's time for a quick word from our sponsor, One A Day Women's Gummies. I can honestly say that I take one a day every day. And while I still try to get in some fruits and vegetables, this multivitamin gives me some peace of mind. It has ingredients to help maintain immune and muscle function, eyesight, and metabolism support. The chewable gummy format is particularly great if you have difficulty swallowing vitamins and comes in tasty mixed fruit flavors. You can buy one-a-day women's gummies wherever vitamins are sold. Always use as directed. I am so excited to introduce my very special guest for episode two, and it is Cynthia Loist. She's a co-host of The Social. She's the founder of findyourpleasure.com, and she is also a mom. Thank you so much for joining me, Cynthia. How are you? I'm good, Kate. How are you? I am great, and I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Congratulations on season six of The Social, which is well underway now. What can we expect this season from the ladies? You know, I think more uh, 
What we love best about the show is the kind of connection to our audience. And they've been there right from the beginning. And they've been so vibrant and growing and vocal um, that I think this year it's all about giving back as much as we can. So as much as we're going to have more and more great celebrity guests and more wonderful uh, lifestyle segments and more all talk episodes, which has been also a new thing we've been doing. Mm -hmm, I like that. Yeah, it's like everybody kind of takes a role as a moderator and we entirely have an entire episode that's based around talk as opposed to the lifestyle segments. We also mm -hmm. have been incorporating a lot more um, segments that are introduced by and the ideas. So for example, recently we had somebody who wrote in and said that they um, had children who had food allergies. So we created an entire segment around that mother's concerns. We've also had people writing in about relationship quandaries. Like last week, someone wrote in talking about a first date that they had with a paleo, a guy who only ate paleo. And she was asking for, for advice as well. So it's been really fun to, we've always incorporated um, questions from the audience or comments, but I think this way is just taking it to another level, which we love. Awesome. How would you say your life has changed since starting on the social five years ago? Well, I mean, the first way I think about it is I always track my son's age. So he, of course, was only a few months old when the show started. So he's gone from this helpless little creature to a walking, t talking, opinionated schoolboy. So it's like, just been this incredible evolution. And I feel like the social has evolved in a similar way. <laughs> Not that we were a helpless little creature, but we, you know, we were still figuring ourselves out and finding out that our, our, you know, our dynamic and we didn't know much about what was going to happen with the show. And now I feel like we've really found our groove and, and we have a very distinct personality. Um, Another thing that's probably changed is that I can't really go to the grocery store without having somebody come up to me and 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 want to talk about the show or want to ask about our, the right. girls and all that, which which is you know overall it's quite lovely. I just sometimes feel like oh my god, I, I'm a, actually on just this past weekend I was out visiting my parents and I was at a coffee shop and a woman said to me, "Does anyone ever tell you you look a lot like a girl on the social?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, they do." <laughs> that's funny. So as someone who speaks on live television every day, what tips do you have for people who are nervous about speaking in public or maybe want to improve their skills? I love this question, Kate, because um, I was absolutely, and I've told you this before, I think that I was just terrified of doing on-air work or talking in public. Um, and so for me, the idea, if somebody had whispered in my ear, you know, 15 years ago that I would be doing on-camera work, I would have laughed in their face. So it's been a real evolution for me. But I think it's something that no matter what kind of work you do, you know, whether you're a teacher like yourself or whether you end up working in an office, chances are you're going to be called upon to speak in public at some point. And I mean, I don't know, I would love to hear what, you, what you've done as well. But for me, I went through, I, I got help. I went to Toastmasters, which is for anybody who just either has to give a toast at a wedding or who actually has to give a big presentation. Um, that was hugely helpful. I also took improv classes, which made me get in touch with my inner goofball and not take myself too seriously. And then also I just kept doing it. And the more, it's like anything else, if you're afraid of flying, you probably just have to get on the flight and keep flying in order to get over your fears. Was that the same for you? 
Yes, it does get easier for sure. I mean, when I was a kid, I did a lot of, you know, official public speaking competitions in school and everything, which I think is great experience. And I really encourage my girls to do that too. But I mean, doing something like live TV is, is different as well. And I think, yeah, a lot of it comes with just getting out there and doing it and, you know, getting some feedback and trying to improve. But it is sort of a thing where you have to, to jump right in to really be able to practice those skills. Do you still feel nervous when you start, like you just had the start of the new year? My mother, I remember who was, who was a teacher, would always get a little bit nervous before the start of a new year. Oh, absolutely. And we talked to the kids on the first day about who's nervous. And then, oh, do you think the teachers are nervous? No. Like, oh, yes, the teachers are nervous. I didn't sleep last <laughs> night. But no, and that never changes either. But, you know, experience, it always does help when you when you've got that experience. I have um, another uh reader, viewer, listener question for you. And it is from Caitlin. And it is, what is Cynthia's beauty regime? She is flawless. Oh, well, that's very kind. <laughs> I do not wake <laughs> up like that. There are many flaws. In fact, I think flaws are a great thing. Um, and I think that that is, you know, you, when you work in TV, you wear a lot of makeup and you have a lot of lights, which, which can change the way that you, you look on a day-to-day basis. And, and which is, which is great. And, and also not great in a certain level, because then you have to go back to your regular life on the weekend and feel like, Oh, this is the way I really look. But I mean, I would say that we're, I'm lucky to have been able to try a bunch of different products. And I, I mean, some of this stuff is just like what you inherit from your your mother and your grandmother in terms of what their skin looked like. Um, I feel like I'm pretty lucky. My mother just turned 75 and she has pretty great skin. So I, I, I was lucky enough to, to, to have inherited some of that. But I do like a good, like I use a lot of Dermalogica products. I use mm-hmm. a lot of L'Occitane products. And there's a Canadian uh, woman named Jennifer Brodeur who has the Peony line. She's from Montreal and she's like, Oprah loves her stuff. And so there's one little elixir, elixir that she makes. It's like, a, it's called L'Essence, I believe. And it's kind of pricey, but I, I, I it was the first time where I used something for a while and people actually said to me, what are you doing with your skin? And I thought, oh, I think that that's a L'Essence thing that I've been using. And so I've, I've kind of become a loyalist to her as well. And, and just that one item I really feel like is an indulgence and a pleasure that I, that I'm willing to indulge in from time to time. And when someone notices and says, oh, what have you done differently? Then, you know, that's a product you've got to stick with. Yes, (laughs) for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about find your pleasure. So, I mean, there is a little bit of content on your site that makes me blush. I will admit, because of course, when you're doing a a thorough look at pleasure, that includes sexual pleasure. But for the purposes of today's podcast, we're going to keep things pretty G rated. I know you've got some great content, like a whole variety of things. I was reading the other day, there was something about how to de-stress through organization, which is totally right up my alley. And even um, an older post that you had written about um, embracing your arms after you had received kind of a mean viewer comment about it. So there's such a broad range when it comes to pleasure. Why was it an important topic that you really wanted to explore? You know, I woke up one day and I think it was maybe season two of being on the social. And I, I I had all these things in my life that I knew I should be thankful for and happy about. I had, you know, great job and a healthy child and a happy partner. And yet I felt like I was kind of drowning in to-do lists and, and must do's and, and, and agendas. And I wasn't, really taking any time for myself. I kind of lost sight of doing things that really gave me deep pleasure. I wasn't making time to read or to, to, to go on adventures by myself. And when I started talking to other women, particularly new moms, it was 
it was amazing how common my situation was. And so I started to do kind of a deep dive on pleasure. And, and I feel like in many ways, it's been kind of sidelined. We talk a lot about happiness and the importance of happiness. But what I feel like in that conversation, a lot of times the idea of pleasure has been sidelined and has been almost thought of as if you indulge too much, if you eat too much, then you're going to get, oh, you're going to get fat. Or if you, you know, think about using your voice too much, oh, people are going to think you're bossy. Mm-hmm. Like anything, or if you, you know, if you're, if you, you know, have certain desires, well, then you're going to be that type, a certain type of woman. And I think it's really a disservice to women to have, to be given those messages. I certainly was raised with a lot of that message. And I'm not saying that there aren't certain indulgences that when done mindlessly can, I, I, agree, I acknowledge that some things can lead to um, negative consequences. But I think if you truly deeply know yourself and you indulge in a, in a, measured and thoughtful way, I actually think that it's a really good thing, a really necessary thing for wellness and and actually mental health. So that's why I just, I I just decided I wanted to have a space that, that allowed to talk about all those aspects of women's life and, and allowed different voices to share in their stories of that. And you kind of touched on the next thing I wanted to ask, because I think there's this common conception about women and especially moms that, you know, they're martyrs and they never take time for themselves. They just focus on their children and everybody else's needs. Do you think that that's kind of a dated stereotype or do you think it still does hold true today that women do tend to still worry about everybody else before themselves? I, you know, if you'd asked me before I had a child, um, you know, Jason and I had been in a partnership for uh, over 10 years. Uh, and, and I would have probably said, no, that can't be the case because we're real equals. And I don't think it's going to be that way. And it's not that Jason isn't a great father, nor that he actually does so much equal work, but there's these little niggling things that I feel like still fall to me. And I think in some cases it might be that if there's a stay at home dad, I, I, I can imagine a case where it might fall to that guy. But for the most part, women still are the lead parent in straight relationships. And I think that I think that for me, I was finding that there's, you know, it was the vaccination schedules. It was the, you know, the laundry, the, the, um, the, those endless little tiny things. You know, right now I'm thinking about, I have to get his passport renewed. The play dates, the lessons, all that stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All those things that, that we are constantly thinking of. But I, and I, you know, to Jason's credit, he has reminded me. So there were times where early on I would see him just sort of, um, lie down on the couch and take a nap. And for me, I would, I would play the martyr and I would be like, I can't believe he's doing that. And I would silently resent until I realized legitimately he would say to me, go and take a nap. He'd have to tell me, you know, and, and then I realized, oh, instead of waiting for him to tell me to go take a nap, I'm going to start doing it for myself and he'll have to fill in the blanks. I remember reading also this story and it was Michelle Obama told the story and it it was something to the effect that she would similarly, when Obama, I think was first starting to get into politics, she would get up in the morning and get the girls ready for school. Meanwhile, uh, Obama would like, uh, Barack would sleep beside her and, uh, you know, he'd get up whenever he wanted to until one day she was like, what am I doing? I used to love going for a run. My, my physical health is important to me. Uh, It's important. I've let it 
you know, go to the wayside until one day she's just like, forget it. I wonder what will happen if I just get up early and I go for a run. I imagine that when the girls get up, they'll just have to go to their dad. And sure enough, that's what she did. And then he had to get up. And then she just kept doing that like two or three times a week. So they set a new course, but she had to take action to find her pleasure. So I think that I think that's what us women have to do. We have to ask for what we want and what we need. And, and, and then our partners will step up. And what are some of the things that you find pleasure in? I mean, for me, I, I really find cooking, hiking, uh, going out for dinner with girlfriends and also friends, having dinner parties, um, reading, um, uh, unscheduled days sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I've learned is that once every two to three months, instead of buying a handbag or something, I make a point to go and ha- have a hotel night by myself. Yeah. And I can't tell you the rejuvenating powers of just having an, a hotel night. It feels like, you know, taking a bath by yourself, turning on the TV and watching mindless television <laughs> to just like wander around and feel like a tourist in your own town. Um, sometimes I write, sometimes I don't. Um, it's really good for your soul to have those feelings, uh, to have that space by yourself. And I don't think enough women realize it doesn't have to be an expensive hotel. You can Airbnb it. You can do something that's like just totally simple, you know? Yeah. No, that's an excellent idea. Kate, have, have, have you done that, Kate? You know what? I never have. Well, you know, the odd time if I've gone somewhere for work or if I'm doing like an appearance the next morning or something like that, I might have a night away at a hotel by myself. And yes, I do try to uh, to take advantage of that time. And uh, just being able to be be alone is a nice feeling. Absolutely. You're right. So I know you are known as the relationship expert on the social. So I have two related questions. So again, keeping things G rated here, what tips would you give to women who are looking to improve their relationships with their romantic partners? I think one of the probably most uh, obvious ones, and yet people seem to kind of resist this one is to schedule time together. And I think people think of it as a being a very kind of unromantic thing. Um, But especially when you become parents, uh, it's so easy to get wrapped up in your kids' lives and, and how much you love your kids and want to talk about your kids. So scheduling date time at, to do unique things, and I think that's important too. It's not just maybe going out for dinner, but maybe you're going to go to an escape room or maybe you're going to go try an art class or maybe you're going to do a cooking class, something that you can do together um, that will ignite different types of conversations. And when people say, oh, it sounds so boring to like schedule, it should be spontaneous. <laughs> I remind them that whenever we have, you know, if you have a plan to have your girlfriends over for dinner, you'll, you'll set the menu. You'll make a plan of what kind of music you want to play. You'll set the table in a certain way. And that doesn't take any the joy or the pleasure out of it. Um, it just says that you're thoughtful and you're thinking about it. So I think we need to approach our date nights with our partners in the same way. Having said that, the other thing I would say is also to have time apart. I think one of the things that in particularly in the Western world and our ideas around love and, and marriage is that we're completely intertwined and our, our, our husband is and our partners are supposed to be like our everything, our best friend, our confidant and our lovers. And I think sometimes relationships can, can start to crumble under the weight of that pressure. I think you still need your girlfriends and your colleagues and your family members that you can call upon to maybe vent about certain things, um, that you can have a little bit of distance sometimes from your partner and have even separate interests that really fuel you and fill you up. That You don't always need your partner to be with you. And I think that kind of, um, 
separation allows for um, a really great kind of energy to continue to exist, a kind of spicy energy, Mm -hmm. um, rather than completely becoming enmeshed in each other's every move. For sure. It's almost like you're a little bit more interesting when you've got something going on on your own and then you can bring more to the table. Like when it is time to, you know, be together with your partner, you've got more to talk about and things like that when you've got something going on outside of the relationship too. Exactly. And what about female friendships? What would your advice be for, because I mean, those are so important. So I'm wondering what you, what your tips are. And also if you get tired of people asking if you really get along with the other co-hosts. (laughs) <laughs> I don't get tired of it. Although we do get asked that a lot. I think there's still so much work to be done when it comes to improving the image of women together in friendships and, and, and especially friendships who where they're very different personalities. Uh, I think you can still have great friends where you don't always share exactly the same interests or even opinions. And I think that that's, we're an example of that. Um, I do think it's hard. Like I, I, I know for me, there are friends that I have who I've known since I was like six years old. And there are some friends who are much more recent. And, you know, quite frankly, sometimes it gets very hard to, to carve out the time for certain people, especially if you live in different cities. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who I love the most, and I, I think this is mutual, are the people who, you know, you, you, you go away and you don't talk for a while and then you do pick up where you left off. Um, but, it, but it does. It, it, it does weigh on me. It's that kind of woman guilt, I think, that we have sometimes because we want, like, I'm thinking of a friend as I'm saying this right now, who's moved out of the city and, um, and, and I miss her and I think of her and I, and I hope that psychically she knows that sometimes because I, and, and I, I'll probably get off this podcast and I will write to her because it's true. It is hard to get in all those, all of those things there. Cause there's so much, I feel like, you know, there's that, that all the cliches are true. There's not enough hours in the day. So, I mean, long story short, what I try to do my best is to set aside at least one day a month where it's going to be a dinner or a phone call or something, especially for the people who I don't see. And then there's also those go-to friends who I see all the time because they're just kind of within arm's reach or they have a child who's around the same age as mine, those types of things. So it's, it's a hard thing to, there's no, there's no one easy answer for it. And as you mentioned earlier, Jaya is five now, which is hard to believe and uh, in the second year of kindergarten. So how are things now in that phase of life being the mom of a school age child? I mean, it's challenging, as I'm sure you can attest to. It's it's everything coming together at once. I feel like this time of women's lives, it's like you're at your peak kind of career. You're at peak parenting. You still want to make time for family and friends. You still feel like, oh, even more than ever, you're like, I got to exercise because my body's changing. You feel guilty all kinds of times. I know I do. I'm worried, oh, is that too much screen time? Is he doing enough extracurriculars? I have to actively try to reject the the unintentional pressures that I think that parents put on each other because we all try to keep up with the Joneses or what some ideal is for parenting. And I, I don't think it exists, but I have to remind myself of that. Definitely. And kind of on a, on a related note, another question from social media, Corey wanted me to ask you, what is the key to balance in your life? I, I think you ha- we have to give up on balance. Uh, the only thing I would say that is a key for me is that I have to let go of certain things. I have to accept that if I'm having um, a day that is really productive in terms of writing and I felt good at work, then maybe I'm not cooking dinner that night. Or if I've had a really great day of adventures with my my son, um, then maybe the next day I'm going to be pouring my heart into my book. Or maybe my my there's a load of laundry that didn't get into the drawers. I can't 
and I refuse to try to do it all because I've tried it that way and I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that that's the answer. I have to try to remember that. And I think we all should do this, that the houses on Instagram that you see and the lives don't really often look like that. And if they do, you have to ask yourself, what have they given up? Yes. And maybe, you know, maybe that that is the choice that they made and it works for them. For me, it wouldn't. <laughs> well, and you know what? It kind of reminds me, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Randy Zuckerberg's book called Pick Three. Have you heard of that one? Oh, no, I haven't. The subtitle is you can have it all, just not every day. And so her whole theory is that each day you pick three. So from family, friends, fitness, work, and sleep, pick three a day. So some days work is not going to get your attention. Some days it's going to be work and friends and fitness, and you're just not home with the, get the kids that day. And it's just kind of like a more balanced, she calls it um, imbalance, perfect imbalance. But I think of it more as like a balance over time. Like you're still hitting the things that you need to hit, but it can't be everything every day. It's just not feasible. That's right. And one last question for you is what is one current thing that you would recommend to listeners? It could be a book, a drink, a band, anything that you think that they should check out. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty, (laughs) I'm pretty not current. Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty uncurrent. Is that a word? Um, I, but I will say this, one of the things, and this kind of circles back to the question about relationships um, and family dynamics is we've rediscovered the art of the board game, Mm. both as a family and then also Jason and I alone. So there's a few that we've fallen in love with. Um, One that we play with Jaya is called Dixit. It's spelled D-I-X-I-T. And what's great about it is is it's it's equally fun for kids of Jaya's age, which is five, as it is for a 10-year-old, as it is for my age and above. I just this past weekend I was playing with my parents and Jaya and everybody. It's a very simple game and it's uh, it's it's just brilliant in its simplicity. And another one more for adults is called Code Names. And actually, recently, we had a hotel night with the girls from The Social, and um, I brought Dixit to play with the girls. And as we were playing it, then all of a sudden, Melissa goes, we need to get this board game that I'm in love with. It's called Code Names. So she actually um, went to call the concierge. The concierge happened to have a, a, a co- like a, a he had the board game there, brought it up to her. And so we ended up staying up till one in the morning playing this game. And again, I love those things where you get people together, you get their mind working in different ways, and and it becomes this group effort. And it's really, really exciting and fun and different to do. So I think board games for the win. I will have to check those (laughs) both out. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Cynthia. Thank you. And I will be sure to put um, your website information, everything about the social and all uh, social media accounts will be on the show notes. So this momloves.ca slash podcast, and this is episode two. Thanks again. And that concludes episode two of This Mom Loves. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at thismomloves.ca slash podcast. And again, it was episode two. If there's any information or links that you're interested in, uh, in catching up on, I would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give it a review, tell a friend, share it on social media. Anything you can do to help spread the word would be greatly appreciated. And I would like to leave you with some last words from George Eliot. It is never too late to be what you might have been. Have a great week, everyone.